ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Alright, welcome to the launch pad, your pulp culture countdown. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. And today we're talking origin stories. You know what's a good origin story? Tell me. Our origin story. All right, let's get into it. So, uh, Aaron and I, and I'm going to tell you this right up front. Well, it's kind of like a spoiler. Spoiler alert, we live together. So, we call it, we're going to call each other roomie. So, you're going to hear both of us saying roomie. We haven't lived together in 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> we still call each other roomie. Um, I also like that we explain to people what roomie means, like as if they were unfamiliar with the term. <laughs> Well, it's very alien if they're just like these two guys who seem to be friends. You don't live together. <laughs> That's right. We're just... both married. We live like 45 minutes away from each other. Um, but, but Aaron and I went to the same college, Emerson in Boston, and uh, we both did some special effects and special effects makeup there. We became friends through that. We worked together a bunch, and then uh, we both were looking for roommates in Los Angeles. So we lived together in beautiful, sunny Pasadena for like... I don't know, five years, six years, something like that. Was it that long? No, it was like two years. <laughs> That's it? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to call you Aaron from now on. Two or three years. <laughs> <laughs> two or three years, but it was fun. It was, uh, yeah, we, we packed a lot into those two years. So. We sure did. Um, uh, I was going to bring up, you remember when we went to New York together and met John Carpenter? I do remember that. Yeah, it was fun. We went, uh, we took the early, early bus. The Feng Wah bus. <laughs> $20 bus from Boston, or was it $20 from Boston yeah. to New York City? Yeah, there's like chickens on this bus. <laughs> it was like a horror film festival. We got to watch The Thing and meet John Carpenter. It was pretty cool. He like sat next to us. Mm -hmm. It was crazy. Do you remember being in Times Square? We saw kind of a riot happen? A little bit. Yeah. I don't remember that exactly, though. So we're eating pizza. And these guys are going crazy. Oh, I do it with, with the police paddy wagon and on stuff? horses. And That's they put right. these guys in the paddy wagon and they close the door, but they forget to lock it. All of a sudden, the back door bursts open. The guys run out <laughs> down the street. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's that was uh, when when Rumi and I's friendship started to bud. And then we worked <laughs> together a bunch, and then when we moved in together, we uh, we moved in, and Aaron said, "I want our place to have a name. I want to call this the something." Yeah. So it was a lengthy, lengthy process, and we finally settled on the launch pad. And we lived at the launch pad. We're the Rocketeers. And we, we, were, <laughs> we sound like such dorks right Well, now. yeah, we do sound like dorks, but let me clear that up. We were cool. We had our own secret launch pad Rocketeer handshake that only he and I did. <laughs> it was a secret. Everyone watched us do it, and it was stupid. Um, in our, they were jealous. In our defense, though, we borrowed that con both concepts, the launch pad and the Rocketeer, from... A movie. It wasn't really our idea. And it's not The Rocketeer. <laughs> <laughs> right? Ah. Ah. Twist. That's a pretty good reveal. The movie is the Clint Howard masterpiece, <laughs> Ice Cream Man? Mm -hmm. Oh, man. A horror movie about a killer ice cream man starring Ron <laughs> Howard's wayward-looking brother. <laughs> it was good casting, at least. Good casting. Uh, there's... I think three or four little kids in it. They're probably like third or fourth graders. They have their own club called the Rocketeers, and they have this little handshake and stuff. And me and Aaron watched it. We both looked at each other. We're like, that's done, it. Done and done. <laughs> we also had an awesome Rocketeer poster in our living room. So it's that, it's it, in my it office worked. at work now. Still got it. <laughs> it's awesome. You ready to dive in, man? Let's yeah, get to yeah. the Pulp Let's Culture Countdown. It. So... Today we're talking origin stories. We have 10 origin stories that, that are awesome. 
You want a knowledge bomb? Should I drop a knowledge bomb right now? You should, now? yeah, you definitely okay. should. Okay, we're gonna drop a knowledge bomb. Now, these are some of the origin stories of origin stories. So, so one of the first, like, written, weird, superhero-esque stories, this is way back in the day, we're talking 1867, there were these little, little, books that people could buy for a penny called the Penny Dreadful Stories. And they were they were usually a shocking story or something like that. But one of the characters in them was called Spring-Heeled Jack. And he was a guy or a ghost who could jump really high and he would dress up like a, a demon or a bear or a demon bear. And, and he's drawn kind of like Batman. But, but here is a quote of real people talking about the possible real existence of a giant jumping demon vigilante <laughs> man. Okay. This is, this is Lord Mayor of London, Sir John Cowan. It appears that some individual has laid a wager with a mischievous and foolhardy companion that he durst not take upon himself the task of visiting many of the villages near London in three different disguises, a ghost, a bear, and a devil. And moreover, he will not enter a gentleman's garden for the purpose of alarming the inmates of the house. The wager has, however, been accepted, and the unmanly villain has succeeded in depriving seven ladies of their senses, two of whom are likely not to recover, but to become burdens to their families. This guy's just, <laughs> this is one of those, like, just, like, sexist people from back, just, like, couldn't help but get that dig in there, like... <laughs> Women, also, women are stupid. <laughs> yeah, like just what a jerk. You can just like you can just smell what it on her. He just, he just couldn't help but getting that like dig in there, like burdens to their family. <laughs> but but this this character was born, and he became it, later in like the fifties. He became more of a superhero, Batman esque villain. But but his origin, possibly true origin, is this masked ghost that people would write stories about. But after that. We, we move into the early 1900s. In 1903, The Scarlet Pimpernel is written. You know much about The Scarlet Pimpernel, Rumi? Just the basic, like what the average layman would know. So, so he, he's a master of disguise. He's a master swordsman. He's a, a English aristocrat who goes to France during the French Revolution and rescues other French aristocrats from the guillotine, which <laughs> I'm not a French historian, but I saw Les Mis, and in my head, I thought the aristocrats were the bad guys? <laughs> I, I could be bad wrong. Bad guys could have superheroes, too. Well, so, so this guy goes around rescuing them, and he's basically Batman if Batman powdered his face and wore frilly shirts. Sure. He's like... Which he thought about, but the gimmick has already been taken, so... Mm, I am the knight. Swear to me. <laughs> <laughs> so he would, like, fence the shit out of you and then leave this, this flower as his calling card. So he's basically Batman. We'll sure. Just leave that out there. Uh, 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 and mixed with him, the Scarlet Pimpernel and Sherlock Holmes really lays the groundwork for what Batman would become. And all these early guys um, were, were very much these rich guys who decided to do something with their power and money, which I wish which guys would do right, now. I, I mean, we have all these billionaires and not one Batman, not one Iron Man, none of it. Come on. I mean, Bill Gates is the closest we get. I mean, what's he doing? <laughs> Curing cancer and solving, solving poor problems. I mean, he's, he's, he's the biggest thing we have, but he doesn't have a power mech suit. I mean, come on. Bill, I know you're listening. <laughs> so then moving into the 1900s, we have John Carter of Mars, uh, which is Edgar Rice Burroughs. He also wrote Tarzan, which came out a year later. But John Carter of Mars is a very interesting early 
prototype of superheroes. He's a Confederate soldier who is searching for gold, who dies in a cave but doesn't die. He astral projects <laughs> to Mars. And on Mars, because of the gravity on Earth is different, he's super strong on Mars. And that's like a reverse Superman. And I think that's super cool. But first, in 1911, how did they know that the gravity on Mars was different? How did they know about Mars? I mean, this is, that's kind of a mind, mind fuck right there. <laughs> and then later in the 1900s, we have Zorro, who is another classic Batman-esque character, a guy who wears a mask, fights for the rights of the poor, uh, uses a sword. Pretty cool character. And then as we move into the 1920s, we get Buck Rogers, Green Hornet, Lone Ranger, The Shadow. And, and this is when comics start to come out in the, in the mid-30s. You know, we get Dick Tracy, Flash Gordon, and then finally 1938, Superman. You can see from that history where all these prototypes and all these characters, John Carter of Mars, Superman, are so similar. Right. Batman and Zorro. I mean, Batman came out. 1939, just just a, a, a year after Superman did. Um, but like early comics, you see all these big names that are still around. The Sandman, Blue Beetle, uh, Bozo the Iron Man. I don't think there's any relation there. <laughs> <laughs> but the Human Torch was one of the first Marvel comics, and he was a robot that could catch on fire. I don't know if you knew that one. Yeah, the original Human Torch? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like it's just those those early comics really borrowed from the... Robin Hood Legends and Zorro and things like that. Um, but I thought that was pretty interesting. Good job, Rumi. Thanks. Or should I say Professor Rumi. <laughs> so we're going to dive in, and we're, we're just going to lay them out there, our list, and, and then we're going to try and see which, which order we can put them in to get the top three best origin stories. So, so Matt, do you want to read off a, a few of these? Who do we got? Yeah, we'll do a couple. It's, uh, many of these you'll heard, I've heard before, some of them not. You probably won't hear 30s, mid-30s men talk so seriously about them that might be <laughs> that might be the only first for you let's start with one of the biggest and the best one that everyone pretty much knows spider-man let's talk about spider-man so you have a high school kid yeah goes to some sort of science lab yeah it varies where, like, depending on when you see yeah it. but like it's all pretty much the same where they let the kids go right up to the things that are emitting radiation and stuff <laughs> just for the sake of how awesome it was back in the day that a spider like descended through the radiation that was being shot. They mm -hmm. weren't testing anything on spiders. They were just like... Oh, really? Yeah. In the original one, they weren't. They were it testing was... some sort of ray. Oh, okay. And the spider, okay. like, dropped down through it. Oh. Because uh, spiders are assholes. <laughs> right, right? And, uh, you know, anywhere you go, they the little buggers get in, right? So, like, yeah, like, I, I can't stand spiders. I can't imagine watching one come down and biting me, but, like, to fuck up a, a science experiment and then bite me. <laughs> um, he realizes he's got these powers. If you haven't heard it or ever seen a Marvel movie. They've with, made like four of these movies. Right, it's the same every time. With great power comes great responsibility. So he takes that to heart and he becomes the hero who campaigns for good and everything. Right. But um, the, the, the thing that appeals to me, Rumi, about that specific story is it's almost like a two-parter. You have the first part where he gets his powers. And to me, that's awesome, but that's not the superhero origin, for specifically that character, this, to me, the origin is that he allows, through a course of events, allows his uncle to be murdered. Mm -hmm. And Spider-Man is one of the, the books that I read a lot of, and I, I see that character a lot. I've seen him written and drawn by a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But the, the common thread is he can't keep his head above water. He's always, always trying. He always is super hard on himself, 
And that stems from that death, Uncle Ben's death, and he feels that it's his fault. So everything now is catch-up. He's trying to make the world a better place because he fucked up before, and he's, he will forever, ever, ever, forever be guilty about that. And we'll see that a lot in these lists is there's like a two-parter to it. There's something that gives you your power and then something that cements whether you use it for good or bad. Mm. And I think that, that that was something I hadn't thought about until doing research for this, until you brought it up really, that two-part that Uncle Ben made him fight for good. And mm. he could have been this wrestler making money or just, you know, you know, not, not a superhero, just a guy with power. And, and that is something really interesting. And, and I think we'll see that in a lot of these characters. Go on to the next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna pull up Wolverine here now. Wolverine, and this is something that that you 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 mentioned, but Wolverine for a while was very much a mystery. We know he's been around for a long time. We know he's been been through a lot, and he's just a cranky, curmudgeonly guy with claws. Um, and then and then later, I think uh, they they brought his origin story to light with the Weapon X program, which was the secret super secret government organization that was trying to make super soldiers. And this becomes the origin story for a lot of Marvel especially X-Men heroes and villains. And I feel like a lot of times if they're like, how do we get this character into this? Uh, put him in the Weapon X program, and yeah. there it is. But the Weapon X program was you know, horribly torturous and really corrupt and, and pretty evil and, and crazy. And, and they ended up you know, changing his bones into metal, covering them with this metal, making his claws metal. And then he went crazy and killed everybody. And I think that that is such a wild origin story. And like... You know, even though most of the Wolverine movies have been, you know, middle of the road, some good action sequences, but like the Weapon X scene where he wakes up and just kills everybody mm -hmm. is, is pretty exciting. But I want you to go into something that you brought up, which was the mystery of it and, 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 and that idea of Logan as being this sort of enigma. Well, when he, when we're first introduced to Wolverine, it was in two issues, two back-to-back -back issues of Hulk. We first meet him at the, I think it's literally the last page, maybe the second to last page of a Hulk, where Hulk is 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 going head-to-head -head with the Wendigo. Then you meet him, they get into this huge fight, you kind of understand some of Wolverine's power set, but there's no, like, flashback where it explains where he came from and everything. Then when he starts to be in more books, um, part of his thing is he doesn't remember what his deal is. He doesn't remember Weapon X and stuff. And that's so cool. Like, name every cool character who you don't know their background. It leaves you wanting more, right? Boba Fett. Like, he's so freaking cool because in the uh, Empire Strikes Back and Jedi, we know nothing about him. He And you can't see his face. There's so much mystery there. I think that's a really cool strength and it plays to that, like, badass kind of lone gun character, which both... Logan and Boba Fett are. Even when, like, you read, um, like, the Barry Windsor Smith Weapon X saga, the, the four-part is so cool, and it shows you how Weapon X made Logan into the Wolverine that, at that point, we're starting to know in the 80s. Right. It's so cool because you don't even know what happened to him before that because he had some stuff up until that point. And also, the, 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 the storytelling in that is not super definitive, so some of that might be Logan's messed up memories. Some of that might be shit that they did to him in that program. So it's really cool that his mystery is his 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 background is a mystery even to him, mm -hmm. which I just think is awesome. Then you read further and further, and you start to get to a point now where every, not every, but many creators want to put their little mark on it. So yeah. they shed more and more and more and more light. 
then it gets to a point where you got to start doing new shit where he like loses his memory again or like um loses his adamantium exactly or, yeah, yeah take the adamantium off of his bones and stuff like that the wolverine origin story that shows him is like james howlett and stuff and you know there's that the guy who looks like Wolverine, who's like the caretaker, and his wild son, who the whole story you think is going to be Wolverine, spoiler alert, it turns out to be like the super bedridden, nerdy kid. It's a cool story, but like, I don't want my Wolverine to have that story. Yeah, it doesn't, it didn't need to go that far. No, and I, didn't need, I, I really didn't need to know Do all you that. like his immortal sort of backstory? The fact that he is often shown like fighting in the Civil War and World War II, and he's kind of this immortal person before... Weapon X? Yes and no, because I love the idea of retcon. Like, mm-hmm. the idea of taking a story that I already know yeah. and saying, well, you know, when the story went this way, what was happening underneath it or around the corner was this new thing. That's something that's new to you, but we can fit it into that story without altering the original story. Mm. That's super cool. So when you show me, like, I've seen some pretty cool interactions between Logan and Captain America, like in World yeah. War Two and other stuff. Some of that's pretty cool, but also some of that just feels super forced. Super forced, um, yeah. There's a pretty good one-shot of Wolverine in a concentration camp, mm-hmm. and it's from the point of view of the, like, a German soldier or German SS guy mm-hmm. who hates Wolverine and he, he kills him. And a couple days later, he sees him again and he hasn't killed again. And that keeps happening. And, and in the story, it's like, it's a well-written story. I forget who wrote it, but um, he starts to go, the German guy starts to go crazy and feel that like the, the Logan that he keeps seeing is starting, is like a specter now. Mm. You know, it's like a, a ghost haunting him. But it's like pretty cool. But I've already seen numerous X-Men Holocaust um it's a common thread. Yeah, yeah. so it's like, I, I, you know, it's good, but show me something that's completely different, mm-hmm. com- something that's completely new. I mean, it, it does fit into our two-parter where it's like he had this healing power and he had this sort of mm-hmm. the claws and the the immortal nature. Right. And then Weapon X made him uh, the hero, I suppose. Sure, sure. I, and, and Logan's a tough hero because he's definitely an anti-hero. He doesn't right. want to be. He's a reluctant hero, but he right. has this power and... He, you know, he finds the responsibility he needs. Um, well, let's move on to the next one. Let's see. Who's, who's next on our list? How about, let, let's do this. Let's just keep it nice and simple. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, the Punisher. Oh, good, easy one. You got Frank Castle. Yeah. He's a soldier. And, and I'm going to go with, like, his original story or the one that's hit most. Um, you have, he's a, a soldier. Mm-hmm. Comes home. Picnic with his family. Family gets wiped out by mobsters, and that's it. The switch is flicked. He now is going to take revenge until there is no more bad guys or no more Punisher, period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's You and I have talked so much about Frank Castle and the Punisher yeah. in our either three to six years, depending on who you're talking to, how long we live together. <laughs> but he doesn't need to be complicated. That's the beauty no. of that character. That's why he appeals to a reader or a watcher if you're watching it or the movies. That story is so simple. It doesn't need to be complicated. It shouldn't be complicated. The reason we like Punisher is because there's a base nature of you've wronged me or I know what you're doing that's wrong. Mm-hmm. I want to stop it with extreme prejudice. That's mm-hmm. what the Punisher is. I don't need, there doesn't need to be more to it than that. No, and we could, I mean, I think we're going to get into the Punisher a lot in future episodes mm-hmm. and I mean, we could have entire weeks dedicated to Punisher Talks mm-hmm. because 
you and I both agree that the Punisher is always this character that that gets way too much added into him or retconned into his story when it's just, it needs to be simple and all it needs to be is simple. It's revenge. It's a revenge plot as simple as you can get. And the rest should be 20 pages or two hours of (laughs) bullet flying murder man juggernaut. Like he's basically, you know, Rambo in the city fighting Mm -hmm. for justice in the strangest sort of way. Right. And then going back to what you said about Wolverine, about like the fact that he's immortal, you can put him in more places, Mm -hmm. but then you take, the timeline of the original Punisher, he came out, you know, in the, in the 70s, 80s. So you're like, okay, what war was he in? Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So then you have Garth Ennis's Punisher Born, yeah. which explains what some people would refer to as the actual origin story of the Punisher. There's actually, um, like, like something is talking to him during mm-hmm. that series in um, dialogue boxes not word balloons, but dialogue boxes, and it's, it's like his demon, darker the nature. The like, yeah. yeah. He'd be like, you know, give in to me, and I'll make you, you know, the, the best force. Uh, you know, I'll get you through this war. You know, it, it's in you. Yeah, that's true, and maybe that's there, but for me, I don't need that. I just need, I'm a good soldier. My family got killed. I will, I will fight until I'm done to destroy that. Yes. And that's, like, I think that's all you need for me, you know? And, and I, I really think the Punisher is, is one of those characters that you can put into so many situations and run that through this very black and white lens that he has that's, mm-hmm. that was created from, from this. And, and he's always a, just a great side character. He's a hard character to carry things because yes. he doesn't have a lot of, like, outward personality. But he's a great character to see, like, well, how would Frank Castle deal with this? <laughs> Give you one guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, that's true. You know, and I feel like Garth Ennis to me nails yeah. him almost every time because yeah. he did him in some real, in some slightly different shit, but it still worked well. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm actually glad you did this because I feel like I'm making an awesome segue here to something I was I wanted really wanted to say. But the, all the Garth Ennis because Garth Ennis did the Max series as yeah. well as the Marvel Knights series, yeah. and I feel like pretty much. Everyone there is awesome. And I'm not even going to go into some of my favorite and some of my least favorite stories because, like you said before, we're going to talk about this a lot. We'll do other episodes all about that. But (laughs) after that, um, Jason Aaron penned a second Punisher Max series. Mm -hmm. And it was good, but I thought it failed with what you just said about how would he deal with this. So, like, who is he going to fight now? We've seen him fight mobsters. He's fought some supervillains. He fights, like, some sort of, like, super awesome fucking Amish guy? What the fuck is that? Like, and how does that guy get, he, he literally comes to town in a horse and a, like a horse and a cart and he gets the drop on the Punisher? No, he doesn't even have a fucking gun. He has a hammer. Why would, like, I just, so you have that, right? And then what a, a fight that I was excited for and every other time, pretty much every other time I've seen it has been great. Daniel Way did a great story, Punisher versus Bullseye. That book, by Daniel Way was great. Now you have Jason Aaron does Punisher Max versus Bullseye, and I'm like, this is going to be awesome. And he makes Bullseye this, like, almost, like, super autistic genius tactician killer. Ugh, just fucking have him fight. And, <laughs> and like, that, that's oversimplifying how I actually feel, but the whole thing is Bullseye is trying to get into the mind frame of Punisher, that whole book. And he finally does, and he tells Kingpin, who's hired him, I got it, I figured it out. And you as the reader are like, okay, what did you figure out? 
And they get into the, at the end of that issue or couple issues, um, Punisher and Bullseye get into a huge fight. They fall through a bunch of windows. They're shooting and hitting nails into each other's face. And they're grappling with each other. And Bullseye whispers into Punisher's ear. And the way, he's like, I know what, I know what happened. I know, and I think he goes so far as to say something like, I know what your wife said to you that day that you got murdered. And you're like, first of all, like, how would you know? And second of all, like, when I read that, I'm like, don't change anything. You already had it right. Don't change anything. You but smell it happening. <laughs> then there's, like, in the book, the, there's a word balloon coming out of Bullseye's mouth, and there's a very, very small word that you cannot see with your regular eye. You can't see what it says. So I got a, I got a freaking magnifying glass, and I looked, and he says that his wife said, I want a divorce. <gasps> Which you're like, wow, that's a... Exactly. That's a cool idea. Not for the Punisher. Punisher is just killing people to get revenge. It doesn't matter if she wanted a divorce or not. And I don't think that adds anything to the story. Well, it makes it more complicated. And I think a lot of times if you can't embellish something better, making it more complicated is still leaving your mark on it. Like, Fair enough. And that's that's exactly I, what I think and, it was. And, and the case. thing is, though, I agree that it's like, what does that add to his character other than it makes him almost blind with, I want revenge, even though right. even though what he's fighting for isn't what he thought it was or doesn't even remember it or chooses to ignore it. I love that gimmick that you had to pull out a magnifying glass to see that. That's, that was a great, well, that's yes. Clever. As a, as a, I mean, you got to give that props. That yeah, cool. the de yeah. device is cool, but it's... You know, I know what your mother's name was, Martha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, no. But and I, was, I thought that was a cool little, like you said, it's, it's exactly what you said. I didn't think of that until you just said it, but it was Jason Aaron putting his mark on that character. Yeah. And I think that's cool, but like, it's like every freaking Punisher movie you've ever seen. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't it's the easy, just have fun with what it is. Doesn't need a girlfriend. We no, it doesn't to need know. to save a mom and a daughter and bring them back to the hideout. No, I don't even stop think stop bringing people back to the yeah. But you know, microchips the the nerd boy. This is inserting themselves in the story. Dude, I've been reading a lot of '90s Punisher lately, yeah. and it's just the way they talk to each other is awesome. Because <laughs> like Punisher's not going to talk about '90s shit, but Micro will, and it's pretty funny. <laughs> Gee whiz, Punisher! Um, um, all right, man. What else do you got? What's something okay, else from your list? I'm, I'm going to talk about. I'm, I'm going to divert from comic books for a second okay. because because uh, pulp culture is comic books, movies, uh, you know, whatever it is, geek, geek, nerd, whatever it is. We're we're going to bring it down here. So I'm going to talk about Freddy Krueger. And okay. he is one of the best horror origin stories because he's a bad dude. And the origin story of Freddy Krueger is he kills children. Oh. <laughs> and the parents don't like that, understandably so. So the parents rise up and they you do some vigilante justice and they burn him alive in his boiler room dungeon lair. And... When he dies, he, instead of dying, his rage and evil and anger transforms him into a dream demon, and he's bestowed these powers to travel through people's dreams if they believe in him and murder them in their dreams. And the people he chooses to do this to are the children of the people who killed him. <laughs> That's messed up and so twisted and so weird and has led to some of the best horror moments and and I almost feel like it's never fully realized this is one of those things like Freddy Krueger I think Dream Warriors the third movie does mm -hmm. it best like they're in dreams they're using dream powers they're fighting this monster 
And, and that is the pinnacle. And even the first one doesn't quite go all the way there, but it's still just a great, great setup. Sure. And then the first one, the second one, we don't, we don't even talk about the second one. <laughs> talk, like, that, the second one was like, some guy was like, okay, uh, I get it. Burned guy with a claw. Okay, go. And they're like, no, no, no. But he fights in No, 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 no. We're, we're just going to ignore the first movie, and we're just going to make a movie with a guy with burned face and claws. Right. And like, okay, great. Um, has one cool scene in it, though. He, like, climbs out of a kid's stomach. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Um, but the third and fourth one are awesome, and then they kind of go downhill from there and have their ups and downs. But I still think that as far as an origin story goes for a character, like, you can't get much more twisted no, and cool than that. Cool. It's, it's pretty rad, I think. And, and he's one of my favorite horror characters. So definitely putting him on my list of good origin stories. Like, that's the way you do it. Like, I got to go. And, I, you know, the one thing I like, too, and I guess without saying it, we've been saying it for a couple of these other comic book characters, yeah. is they haven't changed it. No. They made, I mean, how many movies there? Seven or eight of the original? Mm-hmm. Then, you know, a remake is a remake or a reboot is a reboot. Yeah. But in all of them, all the way up through Freddy vs. Jason, yeah. they're, not, they're not really like... Oh, also, by the way, he didn't kill children. He, you know, did, like they don't change anything. Yeah. They start talking about his mom and like what happened to his mom to make him what he is. And they try to have like his dad be a jerk and. Yeah. Right. And that, that's all fine because you're not changing what well, he did. They almost did it in the remake. Um, right. And they were like, oh, he didn't kill children. It was a mistake. And I was like, ah. and then at the very last minute, like, right. oh, just kidding. He did. Right. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> and I got like. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't a huge fan of the remake, but that, that at least was like an okay idea for the movie that I've seen a thousand times. But yeah, it was. It was. It is cool that they stuck to their guns like that, mm-hmm. and that is. Mm-hmm. I feel like when first of all, if you're how to say this without sounding like I hate children, um, if you kill children in a movie, it's awesome um, <laughs> because it's it's so. <laughs> you laughed, which makes you worse than me. Well, it's true because like all the movies. <laughs> You know a movie means business when they're like, hey, little kid. Right. <laughs> you didn't see it, but Ruby just did like a finger swipe, which I'm assuming was a decapitation. Um, but yeah, no, and when you do, like, when a, a kid gets killed in a movie, you know it means business. But when your main character kills kids, like, that's his thing. And, and in, the, cool. in the 80s, I was too young for this, but Freddy Krueger was like a pulp culture sure. phenomenon. Right. Like, like, Pop culture loved him. He was on talk shows like Sally Jesse Raphael right. interviewed Freddy Krueger. Right. Will Smith wrote a song about, about it. Freddy Krueger. They didn't use it in the in the thing. They they sued him about that's it. True. Yeah, that's a later. That's a later. Freddy Krueger. Freddy yeah. Krueger sued Will Smith. <laughs> sued Will Smith. Actually, he was like Bart Simpson. Like he was on T-shirts. He yeah. was like he was that big, and people seem to forget he kills children. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. The 80s were a different time, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> it was an awesome time. So while we're talking about awesome times, uh, why don't you hop on Spawn? This is, this is okay. a good one. I, I, I'm going to say, you know, we're going to talk about ones that we like, ones that we dislike. I'm going to say Spawn is one of the cooler, the better origin stories. Mm-hmm. Al Simmons is a assassin, a government-trained guy who's killing people and, you know, kicking What's ass. What's the next taking... program? <laughs> yeah, but he's... He's killing, you know, in the name of his country, et cetera, et cetera, but he is a killer, which, like it or not, you're not supposed to kill theoretically and certainly biblically. He knows he's a bad dude. Um, He ends up getting, you know, and and the best is also, first of all, the fact that his story, when you read the original comics, it's Mm nonlinear. It's not like Spider-Man where you're like, Al Simmons went to a science experiment and got bit by a radioactive spawn. Like, no, that's not what happened. (laughs) 
he wakes up and he's like, what the fuck is going on? And yeah. you as the reader don't know. For like literally like almost six to, to eight issues, you don't know the full ramifications and the full story of what's going on. Yeah. But as it as it's played out, he figures out that he remembers being betrayed. He remembers being murdered. Yeah. He starts to remember making a deal with Malbolgia, who's like a demon or a, a devil. At the He's basically moment. the devil. Right, yeah. right. But like even we as readers, I, I don't think Malbolgia is a Christian demon presence. They, are they, he created his own mythology for right. it. There it, are it, angels in it, this. Right, and it relies heavily on like the basic, the basic God and devil things from like Catholicism mm-hmm. and Christianity, the basic. It doesn't really talk about Jesus or anything like that specifically, but you know that that Malbolgia is a demon. Al Simmons makes a deal with him. I will do anything if I can go back to my wife. Right. And you're like, okay, so that's a normal trope is I love someone. It's Faustian. Or, right, right. I know a, I love a woman or someone so much that I will do something that is I know is wrong. And, of course, he makes the deal with the devil. The devil, of course, is not forthcoming with the deal, which we've all seen before. But he now is going to, he makes Al Simmons into Spawn, this, he's supposed to be a warrior from hell, right? Mm-hmm. Which is pretty cool. My favorite part of the whole thing is he puts the, the Spawn, the new Spawn, he puts him back on Earth five years after his death. Mm-hmm. So it's not like Spawn makes this deal and comes back the next day. So now he wakes up five years after he's dead. He doesn't even know it's five years. So everyone around him is in a different time frame than he is, which takes him that much longer to figure out what the fuck is going on, which I think is awesome. Yeah. Um, and I love that his the whole thing is while he's figuring that shit out, he's just got the teenage gut reaction of fighting everything. Yeah. He'll fight Malbolgia. He'll fight... Then you meet Clown. Clown is this little weird clown who tries to, like, talk Supposed to, to be his though. Obi-Wan, yeah. Yeah, and, like, you don't know... Like, clearly he looks like a bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. But then so does Spawn. So, yeah. it's like, who do you know who to trust? Then he turns into Violator. Yeah. Violator tells him what his deal is, that he's supposed to be keeping an eye on him. And Spawn is immediately like, fuck that. And they get into a huge <laughs> fight. And in the first fight, Violator wipes the floor with him, literally rips his heart out. Yeah. And then he heals himself and figures shit out. And it's just... I think that's such a cool... Figures out how to make more pockets and chains. Yeah, it, it, yeah but he does that later. That's like issue 23 or 27. Spawn, for some reason, for somebody who has all this magic powers, has so many pockets and like That's cargo he shorts. That's in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Everybody had pockets Everybody in the had pockets and ammo clips. <laughs> yeah. The guns that they have, too. It's like guns on guns. <laughs> it's like a, like a bayonet of guns. Yes. A bazooka with a bazooka tied yeah. to a bazooka. But it worked in the '90s. But that I just as a as a as a origin story, yeah. it's again what we said with the multi layer. It's not you know what it is. It's not necessarily his isn't multi layered, mm-hmm. but it spans over like ten to twenty issues where you still start learning shit. Well, he ends up rejecting his purpose. He says, "I'm not going to fight for evil. I'm going to fight you uh, for good." And and the funny thing is, though, then good heroes like these angels show up and they're like, no, we don't want you on our side. So he's like stuck in the middle. Right. Nobody likes him. Nobody wants him. And he just has to fight everybody, both sides, always coming at him. Spawn's just a cool character. Mm-hmm. He also has like this Bugs Bunny power where he can like pull these guns on guns out from anywhere behind him. And like he's got a cape that can do kind of whatever he wants. And like it's it, I mean, it was the amalgamation, I think, of the 90s that was like the best of all the 
most badass superheroes. He definitely has a Punisher vibe. Sure. He's got a Venom vibe because because Todd McFarlane was drawing and writing Venom. Um, I mean, he's all burnt up. He's got a messed up face. Mm-hmm. There's magic. There's demons. He's got a, a definitely a Doctor Strange vibe. I mean, he was such a combination of all these awesome, badass, dark, messed up things, and and his comics were twisted. Yeah, they were. It's been, and there's. I feel like there's a lot of wandering in them mm-hmm. where I feel like McFarlane was trying to figure out. And there's a couple times where they start to go down one path. Yeah. And then later on, either just go down a different path or they're like, oh, that was Malbolgia fucking with you. That's that's not real. We're going yeah. this way instead. And you're like, okay, it, it, it works enough for what it is. Is Spawn still going on? Oh, yeah. They're in like, I think they're on like 230, 250 issues or something like that now. Yeah. It's, it's taken a totally different vibe. I personally... Uh, I think I'm in like the 160s, 170s right now where I'm way behind. But it's like you said, the 90s and stuff. The first hundred or so issues just had this awesome thing about it. Even though I wanted it to be more, it's still pretty freaking cool the way it's written, the way it's drawn. Well, and and, I mean, I I don't know if you mentioned this, but when he comes back and the whole point was I want to see my wife again. And the five years later, his wife has moved on. And with his best like, friend. With his best friend. And they have a kid, which yeah. is something they uh, that that his love and he could not physically, they were not able biologically to do that. Yeah. So it's just like sticking it in and twisting it even uh, yeah. harder, Spons which is just one. so cool. And some of the coolest, um, some of the coolest moments of that book are so cool. There's a lot of downtime. There's a lot of fucking whining. He does a lot of like, mm, I'm so mad. And brooding. Homeless He's such people a come brooder. up and some weird homeless guy who we as the audience know knows stuff. Yeah. But Spawn does not question him for the longest time. Yeah. He's just he's like, Spawn, you need to like, you know, fight against your oppressors and work against your this mantle that you have. Make it work for you. And not at any point is he like, hey, homeless guy. I'm clearly like an out of this world kind of creature something. How do you know about my shit? He's just just like, no, I don't work for anybody. (laughs) No. (laughs) Cranky Spawn. He is cranky. Well, since we're talking about cranky people, let's talk about the king of brooding. Let's talk about Batman. Okay. So Batman, everybody knows the story. The the comics can't go 10 pages without showing like falling pearls and dead parents. They constantly (laughs) like to remind you that his parents are dead. And this has driven the young Bruce Wayne to want to fight injustice in his city. And then he puts on a mask and dresses as a bat as a symbol of fear and and goes out to avenge people. And I don't know if this is necessarily a good origin story, but it's quintessential. It really is one of the ones that came out early and has been, you know, there's lots of heroes with my parents are dead, my family's dead, I want revenge. Matt, tell me a little bit about uh, about your thoughts on Batman. He's a good one, and because you, you can't think back to the beginning of superhero dumb in our world, our actual real world, without thinking of Batman, Superman, like those were some of the first ones. There's, you know, if you were to boil down every superhero story, you could pro- uh, every superhero origin, you probably could put it into five or six different specific tropes. Revenge is one of them, right? And Batman's one of the best revenge, because it's not a selfish revenge, and, and it's a driving force of, like, Something impacted me in a negative way. Personally, I want to make sure that never happens again. So no one has to suffer what I suffered, but also stick it to who who hurt me. And it's not like I'm going to kill or go after that one guy. I'm taking down every guy that does that thing. So it's you got to, like you said, it's a Punisher kind of vibe there too. My favorite part of Batman's origin is not what he does. It's how he does it. Spider-Man has these powers, 
pound for pound is stronger, we'll say, than Batman, because he has powers. Batman first has no powers and is like, I am super smart. I have amazing discipline. I am going to hone myself into the greatest, the greatest weapon possible to accomplish what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So I feel like Spider-Man, and part of Spider-Man's thing is going out half-cocked. He's young, especially in the beginning, he's cocky. Yeah. But he also is like, he's a genius, but he doesn't necessarily think things out. Yeah. Whereas Batman is like, and how, like it took, I mean, what, what was, what's your favorite origin story? Like, what's your favorite presentation of Batman's origin story? Batman Year One, the comic, really nailed it because we got to see him mess up. We got to see him yeah. trials and tribulations. Like, he put on a leather vest and a ski mask, tried to fight crime, and he got, he got beat up. The cops are mad at him. People are chasing him. And this is when he sort of finds out, like, oh, man, I, I really need to train to do this. I really need to focus to do this. I really need to just know more about how, how, to, how to fight crime. I need to learn about detective skills. I need to learn about martial arts. And that really is what what year one showed him learning and that was interesting and it and yeah. it didn't expand on it in a point too much i think the only thing it showed that was kind of a retcon was catwoman um but but it wasn't necessarily in a way that that bothered me yeah no i didn't care about that but the cool thing about batman year one is much of it is about bruce wayne forming himself into a weapon not even Batman, because like you said, he fights in like a vest and, a, and a, a mask or a hat. He doesn't have like a Batman costume on, and he gets into some big fights with that. Like he does a lot of, we see him training a lot, which I think is cool. And also just like a side note, we don't have to get into this really hard, but I didn't even think about it until we just started talking about year one right now. My favorite part of that whole series mm -hmm. is the Gordon stuff. Yes. And I think that's one of the coolest stories too. And I've seen some cool stuff about Gordon, but my favorite is... To me, whenever I think about Gordon and what I like about Commissioner Gordon, mm -hmm. that whole thing about how he goes after those corrupt cops with a baseball bat, yes. I was like, yes. that shows the conviction of a man who doesn't even have the training and discipline of Bruce Wayne slash Batman, mm -hmm. but someone who's like, this is who I am. This is what I will do to preserve that. Fuck the cost. I don't, I don't care if I get kicked off the force. I don't care if they kick my ass. Yeah. I'm, and he's got a family, too, which yeah. is cool. Bruce Wayne does not have a family, you know? Um, Peter Parker has his wife. Um, Superman has Lois Lane. But, like, James Gordon has a wife and kids. Yeah. So the fact that he's like, I'm going to take down corrupt force, a pol corrupt police force, but he's like, I'm also going to hit this guy who's bigger than me with a baseball bat because he's already fucked me up. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to draw a line in the sand and consequences be damned. I'm going to do what I think is right. And I think that's one of the coolest parts of that book. Well, and, and part of about Batman is all that duality. I mean, there's a lot of duality in that, you know, and, and his bad guys in Batman. And Gordon is one of these interesting people because he is one step away from being Batman, but Batman needs him to stay James Gordon sure. because that is the purity. Like, he finds these people who he tries to keep pure. Mm. And, and James Gordon is one of them. After everything that's happened to him and his family, he hasn't become Batman. He hasn't become another vigilante. And even though Batman is sort of his extension, but like he needs Jim Gordon to stay. That's a pretty cool, I never thought about it like in, that. In, he needs to keep him pure because Jim Gordon is sure. not split. It's always, I'm, I, am, I am right, I'm just, I care about my family, and I don't have this split personality where so many other characters in the Batman universe are just split dualities of, of something that Batman was trying to fix right. or fight. 
Um, Pretty good. I never thought of it. You, yeah, know, you know that Gordon is Batman now, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, really? I don't know if he still is, but yeah, I don't. I, I'm not current, but something happened, and regular mm-hmm. Batman could, like, real Batman couldn't yeah. be Batman. So Gordon, this is like after the new Fifty Two stuff. Okay. He, Gordon is. He's got to be younger now, right? I don't know. He's got a, a different suit that has like highlights of yellow and stuff. He's got no cape. It's almost like a jumpsuit. At least the, the issue or two that I read, and. He has almost like a Batman, like, Ed 209 type of robo suit that looks like a giant bunny, which, it, this is like Greg Capullo drawing. Wait, 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 we're talking about Batman, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, the, that's where they were at least a couple months ago. And I only read a couple issues, and I, 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 it was out of context for me. And my biggest thing was it looks like a robot bunny costume. And, like, the robot suit, and I was like, that's bullshit. And the first couple pages, they, in the book, are calling it a robot bunny costume. And I was like, okay, if you know. At least you know, yeah. Yeah, I'll give it to you. Okay. So, I haven't read read about it yet, either. (laughs) Um, Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Can't say much more else about that. Way to go. Way to way to break down your your <laughs> way to break down your own rules, man. Yeah, I don't know what he. I like I said, I haven't I haven't read it, so I don't know where he is or why he's not uh, like Bruce Wayne. I don't know why he's not doing it. But. I mean, he's got to be young. I mean, tell me any cop movie or show that doesn't show a police officer coming home from a day of work and just being exhausted. Right. None. They're always like, pour me a whiskey. I, and I'm I'm gonna go sit by the fire and lament about how horrible the wor- world is. James Gordon comes home and after he finishes that whiskey, goes puts on a robot bunny suit and goes and fights crime. Stays up all night and then goes back to work. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, uh, our listeners, if you're reading Batman right now, tell us what's going on. Please help us out here. <laughs> Next character. Can we do this? Can I swing it over from good to evil? I, you know what? Let me let me rephrase that. Not evil. But villains? Yeah. One of my favorites is Magneto. I think, even as a kid, I thought he was super cool. He's ultra badass. He's very powerful, and like what some writers have done some really cool power stuff with him. But even as a kid, I realized that he did not think he was a villain. And I know now as an adult that that's like one of the keys to a really good antagonist mm. is making them well-rounded. Don't just make them, you know... You know, that evil guy with the, the mustache who puts the girl on the train tracks. Like, what the fuck is he? Like, what's your goal? What's your ultimate goal? <laughs> to kill a chick? <laughs> like, via train, via public transportation. <laughs> and he, like, he always waits, like, two feet off, wringing yeah, his like, hands. Yeah, what the fuck are you doing? You got nothing else to do? All those people are going to be late for work when that train is served. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're thinking about them. Yeah, who is, right? But anyway, I digress. Yeah. You know that, like, as, as adults, as someone who understands, like, story structure and character arcs, you want your characters to be well-rounded. They can't, like, even just taking over the world, I understand why someone want to do that, but how fucking lame is that for, um, as a character motivation? Magneto is different from you and me and from most of the people, and in his mind, he's better, and he's certainly stronger. Why would he not be in charge? And when you read him in the hands of good writers... There's no reason, like even me as a human who does not have mutant powers, I'm like, oh, actually, I can understand. You know, if someone tomorrow was like, by the way, I control magnets and now you're under my command, I'd be like, I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> I, I, I might try to, to stop you, but I would, I understand that. Um, and I just think that's so freaking cool. I think that's such a smart, cool way. 
And I like that it, you know, you, you, you read that he has old friendship ties with Professor X mm -hmm. and to be a friend with someone and have your friendship ruined to the point of like, forget good and evil, but being on opposite sides of a conflict. I think when you can make me believe both sides and understand both people's point of view, yeah. that's, that's, that's awesome. And, and they do a good job because a lot of times the both sides of the issue is like kill humans. I want to be bad. And, and, and it always goes back to like, I mean, history gave us one of the best villains in, in the worst people in Nazis. I mean, <laughs> Nazis always play like the best villains and mm -hmm. Magneto has a lot of like ideological ideas that, that you could make comparisons to, but they make sure the distinguish him as different. No, no, no. He was persecuted right. by Nazis and he fights against that. Right. But his, his complex comes from, like you said, mm. normal people are afraid of me and normal people don't have my power so it's my turn to show them what yeah. what I can do. Mm -hmm. And and I think his end game is in his idea a peaceful world, just one where mutants are considered better. I don't think he has anything against humans all the time. It's just that we have so much against them mm -hmm. that he like he's like he I think he holds a grudge about that. Yeah. But then he's like, I'm stronger than you, I'm better than you, I'm smarter than you why would I not be in charge? Yeah. And also, what can you do to stop me? Well, and I think this is a really good segue into uh, another person on our list, mm -hmm. um, Superman. And okay. Superman is in the same vein. I'm stronger, I'm better. I'm, you know, I'm the ultimate superhuman, but he chooses good. And, sure. and this is one of the ones that I always feel, uh, you know, Superman is a alien from another planet and his parents, the planet's dying, the planet's exploding, and his parents send the baby Superman off in a spaceship, which crash lands on Earth, and he's raised as an Earthling, as a human, and he has all these powers from the sun and, and from being an alien. And, and he uses them for good. And, and it's one of those ones that I always feel such a, a weird, conflicted thing, is that Superman should just say, screw it, I'm, you know, I'm tired of stopping robbers from robbing your banks and picking up trains and flying faster than a speeding bullet. I, you know, do what I say, you guys stick in line or I'm destroying the earth. Like there's nothing that should make him not behave that way, but he chooses good. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and Superman is, is another quintessential character. One of the first superheroes to ever hit comic book pages and, and almost always a good guy to a fault. Sure. But, his origin of him being an alien stranded on this planet is is pretty interesting, and I definitely think is one for note. Well, it's funny, you know, I I, I thought about this because I I knew uh, I went for a run this morning, and I was really like <laughs> my run at the beginning of the day is where I organize my thoughts for the day. Mm -hmm. So today I was thinking about the people in the in the origin stories that you and I would definitely hit, yeah. and I knew that one of us would bring him up. My problem with him that is as a character is that he's just so goddamn vanilla. You know, and I like, I like when you use that to the, a story strength. But when you just tell me a story of like, okay, so Superman had a problem and then he fixed it. Yeah. You're like, ah, fuck. And if they don't know how to fix it, they're like, oh, he has this new power. We yeah, right. We forgot right. to tell you. 
But he's one of the worst of like retconning powers into. Yeah, but, <laughs> he, but the defeat in as, here. Yeah, right. <laughs> just, you, uh, you just the movie just watched my whole body just like I, I have no argument. You just right. Um, but listening to you now, just like tell the the gist of his origin. One thing that I just realized, and I would if I was ever going to write a Superman story, I'd capitalize on this specific aspect is he's listening to his parents mm -hmm. from start to finish. When you read anything about his Kryptonian parents sending him out, they want what's best for him. They want him. And I think in some they say he's going to Earth and others he ends up on Earth just by chance. Imagine they, if he landed somewhere else. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks, uh, Mark Miller. Um, but he ends up coming here and he, like you said, could do whatever he wants, but his Kryptonian and certainly his Earth parents have taught him to do what's right. Mm -hmm. And I, you always, they always call him the Boy Scout, right? Yeah. What's more Boy Scout, what's more good boy than listening to your fucking parents, right? <laughs> and that's who Superman is. Um, well, it's interesting when they do have several story arcs where you know, somebody else gets in his head and, and tricks him into doing bad things or like brainwashes him or, you know, using one ploy or another makes an evil Superman. But it just never lasts for very long because, like you say, so vanilla, they can't, you know, it's, he, he, it's not very long before he comes back to his old ways because that's what the character is. Like he's, when you don't have much to work with from the beginning, it's like hard to hard to change it. I'm writing down right now an idea I just had for a Superman story. Ooh. I'm not a writer at all, but I would love to see. Um, I know that like for me, my dad is like my hero. My dad, I don't often have like questions of judgment and stuff like that. But when I'm like, when I need a good word of advice, I call my dad. Mm -hmm. And I think that Superman would do the same. I think he'd go to Jonathan Kent and be like, dad, I'm conflicted over this. I like when my dad and I either are at, at odds with each other or mm -hmm. my dad says something I never would have thought about. And I consider myself a pretty smart guy. I think Clark Kent Superman probably would too. It would be interesting, whether it was on a superhero level or just like a normal man level, if he went to his father, Jonathan Kent, and his father, Jonathan Kent, gave him a conflict, conflicting view. Whether it conflicted with Superman's feelings or maybe Lois's feelings or, mm -hmm. you know, maybe Superman wants to save a village, but to do that this person's going to have to suffer. Yeah. And to go to the father, and, and maybe it could even be a Jonathan Kent story. Nobody steal my idea, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that would be cool. But Because I, I think... Well, I, and in the comics, he always goes to the Cave of Solitude and talks to Jor-El. Jor yeah, 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 yeah. And and the thing is, like, they always have him giving good advice. I think it'd be hilarious if all the advice that Jor-El gives is just hyper outdated, like foreign advice from an alien planet. That's like, <laughs> like have your, have your space wife make you dinner. Yeah, exactly. Like don't trust those Schmorlelians. They, they're, they're <laughs> shady bastards. And he's like, dad, I, I don't know any of them. <laughs> I'm here on earth. Um, that's pretty funny. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, it, it, his, his origin story is, so um, just of the time and so America is right and this is how we do things. And even though mm -hmm. he's, he's in the 30s, it's, uh, it's very much like the, for the better good, they wouldn't dream of having him use his powers for evil. Then you say there's um, Marvel's Max series had a supreme, they call it, supreme power, they called it, which is actually a reboot of um, Squadron Supreme, which is another Marvel title. 
but in it, there's a Superman, Marvel's version of a Superman character, Hyperion. He, he has all Superman's powers, essentially. In Marvel Max, it's awesome. The ship comes down, lands, a farmer and his wife find it, and as they're, like, at the crater, uh, like, FBI helicopters come. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you can't fucking keep that baby. You, can, you can't have this alien like, baby. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> so they take the baby and raise it on like a, a, a government base. They make a fake house with mm-hmm. fake parents that he doesn't know are real. But <laughs> they Truman show that shit? It's <laughs> it's so it's such a good book. And he doesn't necessarily go evil, but yeah. there's a couple of times where he's like why would I do what you... Because essentially at that point he works for the government. Mm-hmm. He's like, why would I do what you say? And there's a couple times where he goes rogue or a couple times where he goes out for revenge. And it's pretty freaking cool. Um, and then there's... Um, I think it's Dynamite. It's either Dynamite or Boom. Maybe it's Boom. One of those two made... Um, One's the noise Dynamite makes. <laughs> <laughs> Irredeemable. That's what it is. There's a comic called Irredeemable. It's again, it's essentially a Superman character mm-hmm. who... When the, when the book opens, he is already, like, the evil version of Superman, but he was good, and they, they reference that a couple times, and eventually a couple issues in, they explain what happened. And it's kind of lame how, how and why he turns evil. Right. But essentially, at a certain point, he's like, fuck this, and just l- starts leveling cities. Right. And the rest of that, of that book's, like, JLA, essentially, right. has to figure out how to deal with that. And, like, as much as we love Batman, and as much as I think Batman could take Superman. If Superman one day just turned, yeah. Batman would have to work really fucking hard. And and again, it's just one of those things like of course in a comic book he could fight him, but if in real life if there's a being with all these awesome powers and super strong and can fly, he he can do what he wants. He know, literally he, moves at the speed of a bullet. Yeah. Like you know how fast that is? I mean, Batman would be like, stop it, and then he would just fly right through him. I mean, done. <laughs> I feel like if I was Superman and I turned evil or went rogue or whatever, yeah. Batman would be the first person probably on in the planet that I would go and take care of. Yeah. He literally moves at the speed of a bullet. How fast, theoretically, would a bullet fly around the world? That's how fast it would take Superman well, for the longest watch, point. Which movie was it where he flew around the world so fast <laughs> it went backwards? Two. Oh, Jesus. Um, Oh, just, but <laughs> my turn. My turn to just give up and yep. say. Oh. But no, yeah, yeah. But that's a, it, it. So to bring it all, all, all back, Superman. It, it, it is a good story, and it's like a classic story for a classic character. It fits him well, for sure. Know? Well, since we're on Superman, why don't we talk about one of the greatest comic story arcs for Superman when he died? Yeah, that's that's one, of, and I've read that recently. The coolest thing, I mean. When that book opens in the first issue of that whole arc, you see this weird green cloaked big figure in what looks like a cell and he starts punching a wall. And you don't know what's you don't know anything about that. The more he punches, his glove rips and reveals that he's got these spikes on his knuckles. It's all you see, and he's punching this wall, and he's punching this wall, and he eventually punches through, and then you realize the cell was underground, and he punches out and comes out you know, on the, you know, to earth. He's on earth. You realize he was, someone buried him there. You don't know who he is. You don't know who buried him. You don't know why. And he's just out. He puts his hand out and a little yellow bird lands on his hand and he immediately crushes the bird in his hand. And then it cuts away to, you know, whatever else Superman or the rest of the JLA is doing. You're like, 
the fuck is that? And then he kills a deer, and then he he destroys an 18-wheeler that's driving down the street. And it just, all these things, like, there's no explanation. They don't cut to anyone who's like, oh, no, Doomsday's loose. It's just, he's this unstoppable force of nature, which is just, I mean, I love that book. I read that book when we were kids. We were in fifth, we were in fourth grade when that came out. Mm-hmm. Fourth grade or fifth grade. I think it was fifth grade when that came out. Um, I remember reading it with, we were in band practice, and we were reading it on our music stands. We played the saxophone. We were supposed to be playing the music. We were just playing whatever the fuck we wanted <laughs> as we were paging through the death of Superman. And I just thought that was such cool. I thought, I mean, uh, aesthetically, he's a cool design character. But as an origin story, to not know anything in those seven or eight issues other than he's loose and he's just destroying mm-hmm. for no real reason. He's not going after Superman. Superman tries to stop him, gets his ass handed to him, and then they keep fighting. Dead. <laughs> Yeah, he gets. I, I mean, Ruby said that's so low. I had to see it with a magnifying glass. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you, I, I? And I don't know the further adventures of Doomsday, but does Doomsday? Ha, why, why was he buried there? I'm not even sure why, but there's been so many. Like, for for somebody has gone back to it later. He there's been a lot more fleshed out okay. about him, and he's been in so many books yeah. since then. Yeah. But I liked him as just almost like an Incredible Hulk ish character who. Couldn't really talk. He ends up watching a commercial, and the commercial says the word Metropolis, and he's like, Metropolis, and he mm-hmm. heads there for no real reason. Um, I just liked him as this thing that was just this unmovable, unstoppable, not even with necessarily a goal in mind. At least when you read, if you read up until Superman 75, which is when he dies, there's no reason for it. No mm-hmm. one's like Superman. He fucking knows about your DNA and is worried or right. hates Kryptonian. There's no reason. He just kills. Yeah. Later on, I've read st- other stories that say he had something to do with Kryptonian science or whatever. Yeah. So maybe he was drawn to Superman or there's I, other ones where I he just can like talk. That he doesn't beat him with superpowers. He beats him with sheer brute force. He, just, <laughs> he beats he, him by beating him. He just beats him into the ground. And then there's no, no Kryptonite. There's nothing. He just mercilessly beats Superman to a pulp. And if you read the couple of... Um, Punches the mullet off of him. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an awesome origin story. The mullet. The origin of Superman's mullet. Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Superman had a mullet for a brief period of time. The uh, <laughs> Good call, Rumi. The, um, the cool thing is if you read the next couple issues after Superman is supposedly mm-hmm. dead, Doomsday is not. Doomsday, they thought he was. That because the last the last hit during that fight it knocks both of them down. You think they're both down for the count. Mm-hmm. Very quickly is established that Doomsday is not dead. Someone ends up I forget, I think it was the robotic Superman when he comes back like the cyborg Superman. Yeah, bolts him to an asteroid and chucks him out into space. Doomsday didn't die from all that fighting, but Superman did. So yeah. I think that's like pretty badass that this yeah. huge guy, like you said, that just beat him into submission. No kryptonite, no magic, no nothing. He was strong enough to take Superman down. And also get back up afterwards, which is, like, pretty freaking cool. So this is our last guy on our list. And it's it's another guy that I'm not a big fan of, but I okay. like his origin story. And that's Green Lantern. And okay. Hal Jordan, Green Lantern. Um, the, the origin story is, is it's kind of like Superman, but alien crash lands on Earth and they find him. And the alien is dying, and he says, I bestow on you my mantle of a 
defender of the universe. Here's all this power and a lantern you got to take care of. It's like giving somebody a goldfish for their birthday. It's like, ha <laughs> <laughs> Check's on you, buddy. I like that you just compared a ring of almost infinite power <laughs> with a fish that even if you take good care of it will be dead in a year. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Green Lantern then has all this power and he can do whatever he wants with it. Uh, but but the origin story of it, of alien crash landing on Earth and in his dying breath bestowing upon you this power is, is a pretty neat way to, to, to get things going. Mm. Good way to kick off, <laughs> if you will. Yeah. My favorite part of the Green Lantern thing is it differs from at least all the other ones that we've talked about so far because it wasn't an accident. Nothing happened to Hal Jordan to make him feel like he needed to be Green Lantern. Mm -hmm. This alien ring of power and intelligence chose him. It comes to him. So I feel like that's pretty cool that something that amazing is like, hey, you are the most worthy thing, at least in my vicinity. You got to be a freaking intergalactic policeman. It's one thing to get power and decide to be a superhero, yeah. uh, whether those things happen exactly the same time or separately, but to have someone say, I have chosen you, mm -hmm. whether it's a person or an alien or a magical ring, that's, I don't know, it's a lot of responsibility, I guess. It's pretty cool. It is. you say no? No, I think it's cool. I mean, say no to a dying alien. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm good. I got a pretty good gig as a test pilot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Alien Man, how about you just hang out here about 30 minutes? There's some guys in black vans they will be showing up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They can handle this situation much better than I can. Yeah. I, they are just. I'm going to refer you to the U.S. government. <laughs> <laughs> I think the CIA's got this. Said um. nobody ever. <laughs> So that's that's our that's our ten best, our ten best origin stories. That's Those are the ones. Oh, man. Yeah, we got through it. Um, so now that we've uh, we've dropped some knowledge, we've we've talked about all our heroes. Should we count down the top three? Should we should we set the who? Yeah, of that, who we think our top three who is. Who are our top three? Let's 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 lay it down. I think based solely on the the origin story itself. Based on the origin story itself, was the best top three origin stories. So so prepare for for ignition. The the Launch sequence is, initi is initiated. What is the top three? Who, who, who do you think you're, who would you put at number three of the guys we talked about? Just under the, the guise of best origin story. Origin story. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of hard. So I'm going to say I think Spawn is on this list. I think Spawn I is one of the top three best origin stories. It's Faustian, it has a lot of layers. He starts out as a bad guy, becomes a good guy, and I don't know where on that list, but I'm going to put Spawn in the top three. Who, I agree. Who I else do you think that. goes up there? What's that? Who else is on the top three? I'll say, um, I'll say Spider-Man just because I feel like it's so essential to his character, mm -hmm. and I feel like it hasn't been changed. It hasn't been reckoned much, mm -hmm. and it is, it's poignant. I, I, feel, I know a lot of people don't want to see another movie that explains his goddamn origin again, yeah. but it's... It's, it's what well, we said. We made the joke before about how you always see pearls dropping in the DC comics. Yeah. You don't always see Ben hit the floor in the comics. Yeah. But you still feel it every time Peter Parker feels it. Yeah. You know? And I think it's a great origin story. Um, I feel like it hits all the, the beats that it should. I, it's one of my favorites. Well, and 
And the other thing about Spider-Man is I think he created the prototype for take any animal mixed with radiation, toxic waste, (laughs) get bit, become, insert animal name here, insert gender here. (laughs) So (laughs) I think that right there is a reason why Spider-Man is one of the best superhero origins. I mean, he really spawns any animal name character from that point on. So that, yeah, you're probably right. It's, uh, he might not be the first. I'd have to double check that, but I, yeah, he's I don't definitely know. one of the most popular. He's, for he, sure. he was the one who who really brought it into the mainstream. Um, so then, uh, last on our list, who 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 else could be in our top three? I mean, we got Wolverine, we got Freddy. Um, I, I liked your Doomsday. I was uh, no joke. I was literally just looking at that name, mm-hmm. and I was either going to say him or Punisher because it's the same, the same concept behind both. But I would say Doomsday over Punisher because too many people have gone back and said, oh, but Punisher was getting divorced and oh, Punisher. Well, and I, Tony, I, I feel day, like but. Punisher and, and this is the same, you know, and fans are going to hate this when I say Batman's origin as as quintessential as it is, is pretty pedestrian. Like, yeah, like I agree. Your parents die and you're angry. And that's the way I feel about the Punisher as well. Your family died. You're angry. Right. But, you know, w- looking at Doomsday, like here's another very simple origin, but I like the mystery and the fact that you don't, you had, didn't tell me and I don't know. Oh, he came out of this box. What, mm-hmm. What's he going to do? What you going to do now, Mr. Doomsday? And you don't have time. It's just, it's this hammer that's swinging towards Superman mm-hmm. and it, it, it doesn't take very long to get there. And once it gets there, it doesn't matter who Doomsday is or what he's doing or yeah. why you're like, He's beating the shit out of well, Superman. Everyone's worried. And in so many juggernaut stories, the the origin is worse. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they try to overexplain it. Sure, like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, and I guarantee you his shit was overexplained after the fact. After the fact? But hmm. for that first, but at the beginning there, it's, uh, it, I mean, it's, it's amazing. I think it's awesome. And you know what's also super cool, too, and we didn't touch on this when we talked about Doomsday, mm-hmm. he visually is a mystery to us at first. He's got the mask on. Yep, yeah, the, the whole bodysuit, yeah. literally with one hand still tied behind his back. I think the first, I know when he fights the JLA, his arm is still behind tied his back. To, yeah, he beats him with so one hand So you don't even back. know what this guy looks like. You know that he's got those claws and eventually half the mask gets ripped away and eventually all of it does and you he's see just his got crazy the pants face, on. Yeah. Um, I would put him, at, I, would, I would be comfortable with him at a three. Now what about Magneto? Because I also got Magneto is, is my question. Well, Here's here's first off, really important question: Magneto versus Doomsday, who could win? Gut reaction: Doomsday. <laughs> he beat Doomsday, Superman. Quote unquote, killed Superman. Superman. Okay. Magneto's powerful. Um, Magneto unless ha- Doomsday had on his restraints still, because yeah. those are made of metal. Well, one of, one of the things that I really like about Magneto is his power is so widespread yes. and and actually pretty vague. Magnetism. Okay, right, right. and at first it's like, oh, I can pick up paperclips. Right. But then you realize, like, oh my gosh, there's metal in our blood, and he can just suck the blood out of us. Like, right. You know, they, they go really far in, in Magneto. You know, they can give him lots of powers. So, you know, who knows? Maybe, uh, is Doomsday a rock creature? Is he, is he made out of rock? or No. No. He's he, an alien. I think he's an alien. But he has these big rocky Right, I believe those are claws. like parts of his, bo- like bone spurs mm-hmm, almost mm-hmm, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, well, what if he has like a little extra magnesium in him, you know? He took his he vitamins might. and then Magneto's just like, eh, rip you apart, done. 
All right. If Doomsday can be, uh, I'll, I'll, let's put Doomsday on the list. Okay. So there's okay. our top three. We have we have Doomsday, Spidey, and Spawn. I think Doomsday's number three because because he's he's kind of nondescript, but I he has a lot that. of. A I lot was of thinking Spawn power. would be number one because I feel like he's the most quote unquote interesting. Mm-hmm. But now I'm thinking differently, and I'm going to say Spider Man because it's a timeless and. I feel like you, at least I, and I would think, I'll speak for all humans, we can relate to that on a human level stronger than we can relate to the Spawn story. Yes. Because I have a bunch of things in my life that I feel bad about and would change if I could, and probably, maybe not to the extent of Peter Parker's mistake, shaped him into a a superhero. Yeah. But things that I feel like I will try harder. Because of mm-hmm. what I did that time and mm-hmm. it didn't work or some, somebody suffered or some bad thing happened. Yeah. And it, my uncle didn't get killed. But, like, if some shit happened that, you know, I wish I tried harder. Yeah. I, and I agree. And I think when you first start reading Spider-Man, you might be a teenager and that speaks to you more. Mm-hmm. I will never be a half-burnt hell spawn. Sure. Yet. <laughs> and to, to, to talk a little bit like an adult yeah. about comic books, sp- comic books... I won't say are written for teenagers because I don't think that's true, especially not now. They're but they have, young men, yeah. But they appeal strongly to young men, yeah. right? Especially someone like Spawn, who's like, oh, "I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to give it to any authority, whether it's good or bad. I'm my yeah. own person, and I'm going to fight whoever tries to pressure me from one sense to the other." I get that, but I feel like there's a better message in the Spider-Man origin, where it's like, yeah. "I have all this power, and I'm doing what's right because it's right." Also. Because I'm learning from my mistakes, you know? Well, and Spawn was the most hardcore thing I had ever read at the time. Mm-hmm. Ever. Like, I got it because the cover was cool, and man, look at all those pockets. Right. But, <laughs> like, I started reading Spawn, and it was like, whoa, this is, like, next-level violent, next-level mm-hmm. mature and adult. And I think Spider-Man, even at his most mature, is, is pretty friendly. Oh, I grew, oh, by far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So do you think that in and of itself makes his origin and him as a character more accessible to I think more it's people? more universal. I think mm-hmm. the thing that's really impressive here is is of all these characters, Spawn is one of the newer origin stories, one of the newer characters. And, you know, they came out of the gate swinging with a really strong character. But mm-hmm. I, I agree. So let's count it down. Number three, Doomsday. Number two, Spawn. And number one, best origin story. According to us, which is definitive <laughs> right. forever. So you can take that to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good list. Who would win in a fight, Spider-Man or Spawn? I'm trying to think if I've re- if they've fought before. I know Spawn's fought Batman. Yeah, and, and twice. That, I that just was, actually read those recently. They're good. Um, yeah, the ar- the the um, the my, uh, the the more Miller one is the better one. Oh yeah. But. Uh, I don't think Spider-Man and Spawn have fought. They're so different. No, Spider-Man and Batman have. I, I, um, I feel like Spider-Man would sell some jokes, web up Spawn's face, and then Spawn would click his fingers and Spider-Man would yeah, just I mean, disintegrate into so hell. so much more in- immensely powerful. Like yeah. if it was a no-hold-bar fight, yeah. Spawn would win immediately. But I feel like what would be the situation that they fight? They're both in the same city. Yes. So some shit happens and they're in the same area, mm-hmm. right? I feel like Spider-Man would approach it as you'd expect Spider-Man would. He'd swing in and make jokes. Even and if he, he went after Spawn thought he was bad. He, he would think Spawn was bad at first, for I sure. I would feel like Spawn would immediately know how much less powerful Spider-Man was. Mm-hmm. 
And I think he would swat him away like an annoyance more than like actually go after him. Uh, he'd leave him dangling by chains like Spider-Man leaves bad guys dangling. That would from actually webs. be a cool image, yeah. wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. It would be that. Don't steal our idea. <laughs> Don't steal our idea. We're we're nailing it right now. You also like how I said our idea, even though it was yours. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's what happens. You're in the same room as great ideas. They sort of become yours, right? Um. So 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 they would fight, and then Spawn would go off and try to handle it his way. Mm-hmm. But then he'll realize that he can't do it without Spider-Man's help. Yeah, that's what happened in one of the Batman stories. Well, that's like, how all crossovers uh, go. They fight, they they become friends, and then they solve the problem. But at the end of the day, what could Spider-Man really do to help right. Spawn? Spawn is stronger, and he yeah. can teleport. Yeah. What I mean, what else? Maybe maybe Spider-Man had like intimate knowledge of whatever was happening, mm-hmm. like knowledge that helped mm-hmm. figure out where to like what the direction. It was of like the some sort of photography related crime. <laughs> He's like, the F-stop was too low. And Spawn's like, thanks, Spidey. <laughs> That's pretty good. You know who I would like to see fight? Because I love seeing him fight anybody. Because, um, like, one of the greatest crossovers is a- any crossover character. Wolverine is always good for a crossover. Mm. Like, Wolverine versus anybody is always fun. Like, the Wolverine-Punisher crossover is phenomenal. I mean, when Punisher... When you say Wolverine-Punisher, you mean the Garth Ennis... The one where they Derek Robertson fight Christmas blows, elves and yeah, he, he rips off, off Wolverine's face. Yeah. Half of the comic, Wolverine, is a adamantium skull. Yeah. And it is awesome. Um, but Spawn and Wolverine would be fun, too, because I feel like Wolverine could put up a fight. Spawn could go harder on him, blow his arms right, off, right. you know, melt his brains, and he would grow back, and that would, could be fun, because both of them can do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could cut Spawn's arms off, and then he would grow them back. That's true, yeah, because you could be, yeah, that's true, they could really take chunks out of each other. And yeah. and, and Wolverine could survive some hell tor- teleportation. I, I think it could be a fun fight. That would be awesome. Don't steal our idea. <laughs> Although, I guess if you're a professional and you give us a little bit of money, you could. Because then we could see it. Yeah, yeah, I would read that. Give me $100 for me, $100 for Rumi, and you can make that idea. <laughs> it's yours. DC, All right. Mr. DC Comics and Mr. Marvel Comics, please call us. And Mr. Image Comics, I guess. Call us and you can use our idea. <laughs> All right, Rumi, ready for Blast Off? I am. All right, until next time. <laughs> that was our secret handshake, which you didn't see. <laughs> <laughs>